the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. Season 6. Episode 163, Joe. Can you believe that? Have you got seasons? You just made that up. Pretty much. Is that just where we took? <laughs> did we take sporadic gaps? That's <laughs> when I just go like, yeah, it's the season of 2023. And I was just like, I think we've done a lot. I think we need to do a different season. I don't know. Just when I'm uploading, it goes, what season is this? I went, oh, you know what? Let's make it to season six. I think initially I was like, every 50 episodes. No, it can't be 50, maybe every 30. I don't know. You know, <laughs> Max, you know, Max is not my strong suit. Yeah, it's every 50 episodes. We're on season 22. <laughs> All the ones I've deleted. Anyway, stop mocking me for my lack of maths. Right, Joe, today, subjects, go. What's really stopping you? Ooh, Where's Controversial. You Where did you pull this one from then? A study I was reading through Precision Nutrition. Um, you sent out a survey to like a hundred thousand people. They've come back with a the top ten, the top ten of uh, things that are really stopping you. But before we delve into that, Joe, I want to talk about what people think is stopping you. What we hear most commonly, people's really common obstacles, or what they believe are the solutions. It's still frustrating for me. Because I know it's not true. Whereas, and I'm not poo-pooing anyone, I'm not bad-mouthing anyone, because people genuinely believe, well, I'll just go straight ahead. Don't I? Like, I just need a meal plan. I just need a specific workout plan. Like, I had this conversation recently with a lady, and it's like, you just told me that you've been stuck for like 20-plus years, and you still believe that you need a meal plan. And she'd already done it. She'd done, oh, God, what is it? Like, the six pack diet or something weird like that, which is like really strict, like no sugar, no salt, blah, 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 really strict workout regime. Like the start of this conversation, you told me that you did this and you couldn't cope with it. And now you're telling me that this is what you need to be successful. So it's, it's a story that people want to tell themselves. And again, that's not in a negative way. It's not people, uh, consciously lying to themselves. It is genuinely believe, but it's just not true. What do you think? A lack of awareness around the, the subtleties of what's needed. And I think it's something that you hear from people at first, when people first join our community, whether that be our group or our email chain or you know through a conversation, whatever it may be. And then over time, I would imagine if you sent out this list to people that have paid for coaching or worked this in some capacity it would be the same list it's that i would agree with what you said that's not what the general population believes but people who are more aware of the realities of fat loss and dieting would probably have more understanding but yeah as you, as you rightly say the typical thing is people say if i just had the perfect plan 
then everything would be fine. But the problem is, even if you, you know, that lady, you said it was the no salt, no sugar, strict six pack plan. If you sat down and wrote a plan with her and said, what are your favorite meals? And I've done this. I've done this with sustained clients within the past year. Only a couple, because I know it doesn't work. But people are so certain that it's what they need. Right. Okay. Let's, let's have a conversation then. Let's write down all the meals and all the snacks that you like. And let's look at the meals out that you go on. And let's look at the options there. And then you write down this wonderful list of all these things and it doesn't work. People do not follow it. Even when that list is specific to that individual, even when the meals picked out are things that they like and things that they can do, you then look at the food that they log and it doesn't have those things on. People don't include them, even when the list is, I'm going to try and not get frustrated. <laughs> but it's, ju- it's just, you know, for me, it's an acceptance about how people are. And it's, you just have to be realistic with this stuff, you know, as a coach and as, as a dieter, is that it doesn't work. The issue is not there. And then it's like, oh, actually, if somebody just delivered it for me, then it'd work. It's just people endlessly chasing that thing of like, there's this solution that's outside of me that something can happen in the external world. I can get given this plan or this food can be dropped off and I don't have to do anything. I've just got to eat the food. It's just not how it works. You know, people, and A, oh, sorry, if you wanted that to happen, it would be extremely expensive. If you wanted to pay someone to make the exact meals that you like and the portions dependent for you and the snacks too. So it's not, not even feasible for 99% of people. And so why even entertain it as a solution? And actually, you know, we'll talk about it shortly. I'm sure the solution lies in changing the way that you act and you think and you behave. And there are benefits then beyond fat loss to that. If you can change that, and if you can change your responses to the world, your life will get better for it. So why would you not do that? Why would you try and find this easy option that costs you loads more money that gives you no other benefits that probably won't work anyway? You know, just even if I paid and paid for and delivered that food from some of my clients, I'm sure a lot of them still wouldn't eat it. Because that's not where the problem lies. Yeah, because of these underlying issues, which we're going to move on to now. So the answers may surprise some. Like maybe, like as you said, you know, if we spoke to a lot of our clients, they'd flag up probably a lot of these, the top four at least, maybe not the top should three. Do, should we do a reverse? Should we do the Let's, ones that didn't, didn't make the top five? Yeah, we can go through all of them if you want. But hold on. Scroll down. The scroll thing looks pretty small on the side. I don't want it to be a thousand things. <laughs> no, no, no. The, I think that's. I think we've uh, we're screen sharing at the moment, so I think that's the, that's the bottom one. It is, it is about being problem aware because when you're problem aware, then you know you can fix the problems. If you don't, if you're not aware there's a problem, if there's a complete blind spot, then you're going to really struggle. So it is about being open and honest and looking at previous diet attempts or history or behaviors and going right. What's the problem here? So, yeah, Joe, take it away if you want to go through the, the list. So, unsupportive environment. Hang on. Could you do it like you're announcing, like, the top 40? I was going to do uh, bullseye, like, hey! <laughs> we don't have time for that. No. Unsupportive environment is 13% of people saying that's their biggest challenge. Family slash peer pressure, the next mm-hmm. one up. Dislike cooking and don't know how to cook. I don't know what I should eat. Wine slash alcohol. Time to prepare meals large portions, eating out frequently, and a sweet tooth. That takes us to the top five. And they're ranging from 13% up to 47%, um, which is that I don't know what I should eat. There's only 60% because I would say the majority of people have a very, very good idea 
of what they should be eating, what they should need to moderate. You know, there's a few gray areas. Don't get me started on protein balls or bloody flapjack, malt loaf. There you go. There's one for you. There's nothing wrong with malt loaf. Again, but it is pretty much just cake. Um, so there's a few things. The rest of the time, we've got a very good idea of what, you know, I suppose the 80-20% rule. Got a very got a good idea of 80% of the foods that I should be eating. Maybe 20% of the stuff is a bit like, oh, I thought peanut butter was a really good source of protein. It's not, by the way. That was for free. There you go. <laughs> so that doesn't even make it into the top 10. So do you want to go from one to five or five to one, Joe? Let's go five to one. Let's build the suspense. So five was a bit of a curveball for me, and I know it was for you too, wasn't it? Mm. Do you want to keep it a secret? Or yeah, want... I think so. That's probably the best way to do it on this podcast. That's it. <laughs> Number five, eating quickly was people's fifth biggest nutritional challenge. And it's one that I'm very guilty of. I eat like I'm in prison. doesn't matter. <laughs> if Tanya starts eating before me, I will pretty much always finish first. Like someone's going to take food away from me, which never happened. It's not a childhood trauma and I've not been to prison. But I do tend to eat quickly, which is part of, I suppose, kind of like my you, – you'd class it as mindless eating, wouldn't you? you know, I was going to say, them. I almost feel like the problem is not the speed. The problem, If you're mindfully eating quickly, that's fine. It's almost uh, – it's correlation, isn't it? That you, yeah. you link those two things together is that people are mindless. They're not thinking while they eat quickly. I, I've spoken before on my uh, impressive ability to either – serve up the perfect portion of food for me that's just just absolutely spot to the last grain of rice to get me to be full enough to stop eating or i have no recognition of satiety <laughs> which does come down to that mindful eating, mindless eating so if i sat more and you know, i put down my knife and fork which i'm terrible for because i'm pretty much like i've got one mouthful in i've got my fork loaded with the next mouthful or, you know, when I'm working, then I'll sit and I'll work whilst I'm eating as well, which is, again, I appreciate terrible, but sue me. Joe, I've just got to do the work. Got to serve these people. I'm eating right now. I'm not. <laughs> um, Joe's not for a change. So that could be, you know, is it the, the mindless eating where you're over-consuming because you're not recognising your hunger? You know, you're not being aware of these things. You're not giving it time to you to settle, to to recognise these these sing- signals. Um, that would be my guess as to why this is a problem for a lot of people. And I think there's something in here about, and you see this so often that people think, if I just do that one thing, everything will change. Like yeah. if you started eating more mindfully, it would have a beneficial effect on your ability to maintain your weight or to lose weight. But it wouldn't get you exactly where you want to be. It would just be something that either makes it easier or gives you a progression point going forwards. And I think that actually all of these things blend together because the problem's not people eating their chicken breast, sweet potato and peas too quickly. It's that when they are, and I'm not going to give away the top the top four, but it's the certain foods that they're eating too quickly because of whatever's going on. So if people get too hungry, they then make, you know, you then make choices that are more processed and more refined and then you eat too quickly. And actually, if you done some of the other tasks some of the other tactics that are above everything ties together it's not just about eating mindfully and everything suddenly being better yes it'll help there's other things that you need to do and all of these things you know you you don't need to do all of them but one thing's not going to fix it i don't believe i've never seen anybody come in 
and start mindfully eating and then getting where they want to be. Like, yes, a few people go, do you know what? Actually, I feel better for that. And I've lost a couple of pounds. But that's just part of a bigger process. It's not just one thing. You know, I guess the one thing that does make a difference is like drinking water, isn't it? Loads of people say, I'm going to drink more water. And if you look at the studies, when people go up to drinking three litres of water a day, they do lose more weight. But then you don't know what else they're doing. Is it the fact that they're doing a weight? They're in a weight loss study that makes them more aware of their food choices. Because you could say that, you know, just when people start recording their food, they start losing weight. Yeah, they do. But then there's other things that they're probably doing as well. They're probably not eating exactly the same things. They're probably not. They've probably changed their shopping habits. Anyway, I'm, I'm divulging. But what I'm getting at here is that all of these things work together. That, but that reminds me of the the, the studies that get like thrown up every so often. Just go like red meat causes cancer. And obviously, that's a really shocking. This is off for a slight tangent. Standard. You know, it's quite a shocking statement, and people go, "Oh my god, does red meat cause cancer?" Like, well, you need to look at the study, and the study is like, what does it class as red meat? Right, burgers from Burger King and McDonald's. Okay, so yeah, so the people who are eating, you know, frequently from, and this is no judgment, just generalizing. So I suppose it is kind of judgment. The people that are more likely to eat a ton of hot dogs, a ton of you know takeaway burgers and stuff like that, are they more likely to? Drink more alcohol, yes. Are they more likely to smoke? Yes. Are they less inclined to look after themselves and eat fruits and vegetables? Yes. Are they less likely to exercise? Yes. Okay. So then all of a sudden you just got this one component, which is red meat, which people go, red meat causes cancer. Like, what about all these other environmental factors that are going on? Mm. Like, so anyway, there's just a little slight bugbear of me. But me that you know, people just take these headlines, do the clickbait headlines and just run with it. Anyway, so number four. <laughs> number four. On to the next one. Snacking when not hungry. This is a common one. And, you know, well, yeah, I'd say, you know, there's usually three reasons isn't there, why people snack. Hunger is one of them. So we'll eliminate that one. But it's going to be habit or hormones. Um, hormonal cravings can be a big one as well. But then the habit. So again, it's, it's, a bit of awareness, seeing if it is a habitual behaviour. Is it at a certain time of day? Is it when a certain action has been triggered? You know, what's causing you to do this? And also, what are you snacking on? Like you said, if it's like, oh, at 2 o'clock every day I eat an apple, okay, possibly not the worst thing, almost definitely not holding you back from your fat loss goals. If it's every day at 2 o'clock I eat a bloody chocolate chip muffin, all right, then that's probably something that we want to address. So it's looking at, again, the, the root causes. So much of this is about awareness around habits, choices, behaviours. Why are we doing this? What are we getting from this? Is it really true? You know, going back to the whole stories and beliefs thing. Is this what really what I want to do? Is this a behaviour I want to keep or is it something what I change? I think a habit is one of those things where as people go, I've discovered it. It's just a bad habit. As if they found this, the gold at the end of the rainbow. But it's useless. Like You are performing habits for a reason. There is a trigger and there is a reward. You are trying to get something from this. You are not habitually eating cucumber salads. So you have a belief around a food and there's something that you believe it's going to solve, or it's going to help with. And so that's, the, that's where you need to then start. Is, is there a healthy way of swapping this out? And I spoke about this before because I would you know, I've maintained a healthy weight my whole life. One of the things that, you know, near enough my whole life, one of the things that I would do to manage my emotions was mindlessly a pack of ham, 
you know, 400 grams of ham. I go to the shop, I buy that, loads of protein, quite low calories, keep me really full. Is that how I want to be dealing with stress in my life? No, it was, and that was a, it was a bridge. It was a step forward. It was, well, it's better to eat ham than chocolate. Great. Do you want to be eating to deal with your problems? Is that a healthy way? Would you, would I recommend that to someone who works with us? I'm really struggling with anxiety at the moment. What you should do is you should eat 400 grams of ham and see what happens. It's not a solution. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to navigate the problem. But you're not solving it. And so I think that there's, there's again, lots of stuff going on here. There's, as you rightly said, why are you snacking? And I know people have said to here, snacking when not hungry, but that then just opens up to a million and one different things. It could, that's so individual, very, like individually dependent then, because anxiety and depression and regularly being upset aren't things that I struggle with, but frustration is. So therefore, I have a different, you know, that takes me down a different rabbit hole. That takes it down, if you imagine the branches of a tree, I'm going in a completely different direction to somebody else who does struggle with those things. And so it's, I know this is just a general uh study slash questionnaire they put out there but it's the devil is always in the detail and we always want right this is the thing i need to work on i need to work on snacking when not hungry but then there's so many more questions there's so much work to do from there that you and you have to like you say you have to be self-aware you have to stop and think and ask yourself questions because if you just go well if i just snack on healthier foods or if i just don't snack you know that's people's solution i'm just not going to snack but you're doing this for a reason you're being driven to, you're being pushed to this solution. So you then have to fix it. You have to do something else. Yes, there's, you know, maybe doing some mindful colouring is a better way to occupy your time. If you're just burying your head in the sand and that's because you've got an awful relationship with your partner or you're stressed out to hell with your work, then it's not, you're not fixing that route and you're, you're just yeah, hiding away from it. So it's, it makes sense. I can see why it's in there, but it's just important to, to recognise the caveats. Well, speaking of caveats, I'm going to put one in there. You're, you're, it's not a solution, is it? It's a step in the right direction of instead of eating chocolate, eating something else, you know, eating high protein, you know, lean meats. We're not saying that that's a bad thing. It's a step in the right direction. I was trying to think of something, you know, it's like you want to stop smoking, so then you go on to bloody Nicorette chewing gum. It, it's, it's a step in the right direction. It's not the perfect solution of what I believe can correct me if not he's saying is you still need to fix the root problem you know that's that's a temporary fix it's a much better uh step in the right direction but ideally address the reason why you're doing something that you don't need to be doing and we see this a lot in our free support group isn't it where people are like what healthy snacks can i have and then people will go like this 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 and this off loads of suggestions but you know for our angle be like well why are you snacking you know, if it's not due to hunger, is it due to hunger? Okay, well, let's have a look at your meals. What do they look like? You know, are you having a cup of soup for your lunch and then having massive cravings two hours later because you which people a- nearly always are doing. Yeah. Like, you know that it, it just never. You know, people who work with this for months or haven't worked this for a long period of time come back and you look at their food and go, "You need to eat more in the mornings. You need to eat more protein and veg. You need more unrefined carbs." It really is. You know, it just it is the the terminal problem that people have is they are under eating and putting themselves in a situation that makes it so hard. I know somebody said here, snack, you know, I know the answer is snacking when not hungry, but it's that lack of awareness. Like this is the, the, the quiz itself, you know, the, the, the questionnaire itself and, and odds on that the, the reason somebody is snacking is one of the other things that are one of the other answers that we've already said. 
unsupportive environment or family slash peer pressure. But people just, they, they can see I'm eating, but I'm not hungry, but they can't see why, which is why this is so high up the list. And what is needed there is, is more thought and more reflection on that. It wouldn't take too long. You're talking minutes here. It's just stop and go, right, what is it that's going on here? If you, and a lot of people take no time on this. They never spend a minute on it. And so it can be a big step to take that first minute. But once you do it, you have a lot more clarity. So there's a bit of overlap onto the next one. To number three. No, I've done it now. Coming in at number three, it's cravings. <laughs> and again, it, it, it doesn't tell us a lot, does it? It literally just says cravings, 52%. But I'm not going to sound like a broken record, isn't it? Well, let's look at what's going on. Is it, and I feel like, can I say this, time of the month? Is this hormonal-led cravings? Is it hunger-led cravings? You know, is it, uh, I've been overly restrictive with my approach, and I've kind of said, right, I'm not going to eat any of my favorite foods, and now I'm craving them. You know, is my diet, diet? is my diet too bland and too boring? You know, have I gone into that whole, right, it's uh, diet time, so I'm going to go the four S's, uh, smoothie or shake, salad, soup, starving. You know, where'd you get that from? I uh, came up with myself, Joe, because it's so common. Like you said, you know, we'll get into conversations with people and they're like, I'm really good. And then I just binge on a night. Okay, what's the typical day for you? Well, I have special care for breakfast. I'll have a cup of soup for my lunch. And then I might have something like uh, a chicken salad for my dinner. Right. You have consumed 600 calories. Course, you're gonna you know binge because your cravings are gonna be through the roof. You know, eat, try this, this, and this. You like bulk out your meals, add some carbohydrates, have some more protein in there, whatever. Eat some effing food. So, if you struggle with cravings, then we've got to look at what's going on. Why am I craving? You know, again, is it the time of the month? Is it me being massively restrictive? Is it me massively undereating? Is it, you know, and again, this is another one, uh, a common one. Am I just not eating high-volume foods? People can track calories. You know, I've heard this before from people like, my calories are too low because I'm too hungry. Is it your calories or is it your food choices? Because are you blowing 1,500 calories on calorie-dense foods? You know, and that's why you're hungry. Because you're just not eating enough volume, not eating. Well, here we go. You would get in there, enough protein, enough vegetables, you know, enough fiber, stuff that's going to slow down your digestion, stuff that's going to stick in your stomach for a long time. Or are you going, well, it's my calories, so I'm going to have a pack of baked crisps, and I'm going to have a cheese sandwich, and I'm going to have a tracker bar because it fits. I'm going to do this, this, and this because it's hitting my calories. Like it is hitting your calories, but you've got like a kilo's worth of food for an entire day. It's not going to be enough. So, yeah, addressing the reasons why, looking at what's going on. Why are we getting cravings? Spawn, well, good for me. I think, I think the, the, the top two, which we're going to next, I think we'd have probably, well, I, I speak for you here, I think we'd have both picked these out as the top two um, from a from a more astute audience anyway, which is the precision nutrition one obviously is. So number two is 53%, so only a fraction ahead of cravings and snacking when not hungry, is lack of planning. Which, people, I, which ironically would fix a lot of those issues. Yeah. Absolutely. I, not necessarily, not even necessarily a nutrition plan, but having a plan of what to do. When I go out to eat, I will 
put my knife and fork down between bites, snacking when not hungry, I will stop to ask myself what is it I really need. Cravings, I will stop and ask or reflect on my decisions. You know, and it never surprises me. You look at our process and there's a reflection task every day. And there's a reflection task at the end of each week. And the number of times it's empty where people go, I've not got the time or whatever, insert excuse here. And that's the problem is people aren't putting the time into figuring out what's going wrong because there's this perception about reflection. I don't want to beat myself up about it. I don't want to dwell on it. I've not got the time. You know, if you've invested money into a process, this is basically what you're paying for is that reflection. Is that someone holding, you know, one of our mentors said to us quite commonly, you know, hold your feet to the fire. That's what I think the most people need. And yes, it's, it's, it's true in dieting as, as it is in business coaching is, it's just doing those things and people will you know, scratch and fight and run away from doing it because it's uncomfortable and that should be a reason to do it more. Same with planning. Like, yeah, it's a bit boring. Yes, it's restrictive. What's your other option? Like, this is, look at what this is costing you. Look at how this is hindering your life. Because you know, we, as we've said before, we see some really powerful questionnaires and so often then with clients like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you don't want to do it because no one wants to do it. I'd much rather somebody just brought a recipe pack based off my exact specifications for me every single week. It doesn't exist. So I have to then do it. And it's taking that ownership and that responsibility, accepting that these things aren't that much fun. But you do them anyway. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've got the same attitude with me when it comes to eating certain foods. Like I don't like eating broccoli, but I eat every day because it's so fibrous. It's cheap. I can eat it. You know, I don't eat it. I'm like, oh, this is delicious. I would just hide it with some potato or whatever else I'm eating and just get it done. It's delayed gratification. It's doing the things you don't want to do when you don't want to do them. You know, I was speaking to someone this morning saying, I just need more willpower. Like, do you need willpower to exercise and to eat nutritious food? No, you don't. It's harder, but you can do these things whenever you want. And something I, are you still doing cold showers, by the way? Or cold no. Glass? No, you sacked it off. I have this thing when I'm feeling a bit down and at the moment I'm struggling a little bit more, I can feel that I don't want to get in the, under the cold water. I find it low. Most days I just do it. I turn the cold on and I get when I'm struggling with stuff a bit more, I can feel like this weight, like pulling me back. And it's that thing of like, I'm just going to do it anyway, because the more that you do things when you don't want to do them, the easier it gets. And this is you know so true with planning is that and I'll, I'll shut up in a second because I appreciate I'm going to just chew all the points. But people will say, I've just not got time to plan. Just plan your evening meals then. Plan your snacks. Plan one evening meal. Just start where you can. If you've not got time to do an hour-long workout, then you wouldn't just do nothing. So it's the same with your planning. If you're not, you know, I never plan the whole week, seven days, five meals. But I have some, I do enough planning to get me the results that I want. And so it's about finding the way to make this work for you. No, just challenge one or two points there. <laughs> That no, no, no time. We're going to number one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to a break. That idea that it's restrictive. Like for me, meal planning gives me more freedom. So what I mean by that is, by me planning my meals, and again loosely, I'm not like right Tuesday night is this, Wednesday night is this, Thursday night is this, Friday night is this. I don't do that. We we get gusto. We get hello fresh. Whoever's going to give me the biggest discount that week. So then we'll pick four or five meals, and then. It's just like what what do you want to eat tonight? But that that food's already there. It's already good to go. So that's that's kind of the level of meal planning that I'm at. And then I'll batch cook my food 
for for work for the when I'm in the office on a Sunday. So I'll just cook kind of four or five meals there and they'll all be the same ones. That gives me the freedom to then have an indulgent meal to go to the cinema with Magnus and then go have a couple of slices of pizza afterwards because I've not messed up during the week. You know, it's when people don't plan the meals and then they go like, oh, I ended up having, you know, a muffin on Monday. And then, well, Tuesday I had a pizza because I got home late. I didn't have anything to eat. And then Wednesday I had uh, two bars of chocolate and then Thursday I had a meal deal and all this. And all of a sudden you're adding like 300 calories, 400 calories, 500 calories, 200 calories, 300 calories. And then you go for that pizza on the weekend because you've been at the cinema. Then all of a sudden you're not losing weight that week. You might even gain some weight because you've eaten more. So for me, that that inconvenience of planning your meals, that discipline, there we go, a bit of Jocko, discipline equals freedom. So for me, it gives you freedom. It's not as restrictive because you get to choose those meals. And again, it, like Joe said, it doesn't have to be like military. This is blah, 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 blah. Just have an idea and have the food in because it's not essential to make progress. But there's a reason why 53% of people have said, this is why I struggle to lose weight. It's because when you try and wing it, you give up so much wiggle room to fuck up. So much wiggle room to mess up. I talk about this a lot with my clients, like when I'm doing the feedback is the reason why planning meals and doing some kind of level of prep works so well is because if I'm at work and I go, right, I've got 30 minutes between calls now and I'm hungry. If I had to go out and source my food, I'm going to go for an easy option. Depending on what's around me, how much time I've got, how hungry I am, I'm more likely to mess up as opposed to me going, let me walk to the microwave and put this food in for two and a half minutes and I know I've got ton of protein, a ton of fiber, a ton of vitamins, a ton of minerals. I've got a really calorie control meal. Like that is worth, you know, and again, look for shortcuts. I think people, maybe it's like a hangover. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Maybe it's a hangover from body coach days where you had to prep three different meals every single day and seven different snacks. And all of a sudden you're cooking 30 different dishes on a Sunday. And you're having to weigh out a portion of onions. Look for something easy like that. I'd do it right. Let me go. I'll make a, a tomato sauce base. I'll buy 24 turkey meatballs from Asda. I'll buy some uh, Mediterranean vegetables or I'll make my own and I'll bang it all in the oven. And I might have that with potatoes or I might have that with pasta if I'm feeling a little bit fruity. And I'll weigh it out. And that's it. And then the inconvenience of me eating the same food five times that week, it doesn't matter. And if you think, oh, I couldn't eat the same thing every single day for a week or whatever, whatever story you're telling yourself. Look back now. You tell me, send me an email. What did you eat three weeks ago last Tuesday afternoon for your lunch? You won't have a clue because meals, again, just come, I'm going to go off a slight tangent. Meals come and go, and so many of them are insignificant to your life. It's just serving a purpose. And we might get all excited about, like, oh, this is going to be delicious. I want to really have this. Or, you know, four more. I really want to have five guys and enough chips to kill a buffalo that will come and go there'll be there'll be meals where you have you know tasted menus and you go out for anniversaries and stuff like that that you'll remember but the majority of meals that you have don't need to be a massive taste sensation that's not to say you have to eat white fish and asparagus or anything like that make them enjoyable but they don't have to be super indulgent but that mild inconvenience of planning your meals is massively outweighed by the benefits that you get from that, by knowing that you have those foods available. And again, 
it just reduces the amount of wiggle room for you to to mess up. So that's why it's just such a valuable use of your time. So much the study says in your head is that you know the only reason that you're thinking, well, I can't eat bolognese again today is because I've had it the last four days. It's only because you're focusing on what you've eaten for the last four days. That meal, I do this all the time. I open up the fridge, I go, oh, I don't want to eat bolognese again. I don't want to eat chicken curry again. And then I, I heat it up and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to eat this. And as soon as I start eating, I'm like, it's pretty good this. And then afterwards I go, really glad I ate that. And it's the same process. every Not every time, because sometimes I'm more cheerful. But it's near enough the same process is that I'm just having a bit of a moan. It's just a thought. And if you treat that as a reason to not eat the meal and to go to the shop and buy whatever you want, the problem is you've engaged in that inner voice as if it's legitimate. It's a bit like, you know, I guess with you, like if Magnus is really tired and he's crying and he says he's not tired, it's pretty unlikely that you're then going to go, well, actually, Magnus, you've been up for 16 hours and, you know, you did this and you've not had your nap. Your nap was a bit shorter because you're engaging in that as if it's legitimate. He's just telling you what's going on in his mind at that moment. You don't then go, oh, well, you don't treat it as a legitimate argument or you don't believe him. You don't go, okay, Magnus, well, let's go for a run then. You know, let's go out and play a bit more because you know best. And it's it's much easier when that voice is outside as if with Magnus than it is when it's inside. Because if that's your voice saying, oh, I'm bored of all I don't want to eat it. People go, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to go get fish and chips instead of just going, hang about, is this just, you know, my chimp brain or my child brain or my lizard brain, whatever you want to call it. And the better you get at this, the easier fat loss is because you can just let these things go rather than having this endless back and forth. You know, people say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to think about food so much. This is the skill to recognize what's going on and when you're having these thoughts about food and just to let them go. Because if you argue with them, they, they're just going to keep going and you can't, I mean, you can do that if you want to, but it's, it's going to go counter to the goals that you set yourself. Yeah. How's that worked out for you previously? But that's another one I'll, I'll say to a client because I don't know we spoke about this on the podcast before that idea of when people go like I just didn't want to eat my meal that I had planned or prepped like they never go for something that's calorie calorie equivalent it's not like so I went for lean beef and potatoes and this instead it's like so I went to Burger King got a Whopper like the question that I always ask them what would be the worst thing that could happen if you just sat and ate a meal because I guarantee from experience 15 minutes after you'd finished that meal, if not sooner, you'd be like, eh. That was the right call. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd done that. And probably like 15 minutes after eating that burger, you'd be like, eh. Uh, shouldn't have done that. It's one of my favourite questions to ask when somebody doesn't eat something and they, they refrain from it and they make the right choice, air quotes, for their goal. When you say, do you look back and wish you'd eaten it? And I think one person in the history of sustain has gone, yeah, do you know what? I wish I'd eaten that. And I was like, really? Do you really wish that you'd gone back and had burger and chips instead of chicken salad? Would it have really made a difference to your life? No, oh, no, I don't think so. And we get lost in these stories so often and it's being able to recognise that and the more conscious you become about what's going on and recognising that inner chatter or that story that you've been telling yourself accidentally, the more successful you'll be. Number yeah. one, what's, last but not least, emotional eating. I thought you wanted me to say it. Well, I did, she, but I felt like you were waiting too long, so I thought I'd just, I'd just finish, finish off. Fill in the gaps. Yes. Okay, emotional eating, obviously a huge, huge, huge subject, not something that we can easily fix across, you know, the last seven minutes of the podcast. But 
Yeah, it's recognizing why you're making decisions that you're not comfortable with. And give yourself, well, being kind to yourself. I, I, I see a lot of people get frustrated with this and not understand, like, but why do I do this? Why do I do this? It's like, it's because it's your go to, it's your learned behavior. This is your brain's way of getting you out of discomfort. Like, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be in pain. We don't want to feel bad. We want to feel happy all the time. So when you start feeling this, you get upset, you get angry, whatever emotion it is, then your brain goes, ooh, not like this. I want to feel good. What's the fastest way to make me feel good? Chocolate. Boom, let's go. And it's not looking at delayed pain or gratification. It's looking at, like, I want to get out of this state. I want to not feel like this right now. What do I need to do? So it's understandable that people make these decisions. It's understandable that people get frustrated by it, but you've got to be kind to yourself and go, oh, this is just what I do. This is, and that's not to say you can't change it because the first, I don't know, it sounds like an AA meeting, isn't it? The first bit is, is recognizing it and accepting, I suppose that's your go-to. That's your go-to, you know, trigger, action, reward. Where do you see people struggling when it comes to emotionally and job? I think you said, you said the word there, acceptance, is that, Emotions are coming about because of a dissatisfaction with the way that things are. So whether that be upset, you know, you're sad that something's happened, or anger, you you know, you dislike something's happened, or grief, or loneliness, is that that is a is a reaction to something. So it's then about what's the most productive way to deal with that. How do you solve that problem? And obviously, with emotional eating, people are using food to get away from that discomfort. And actually, you can learn to accept that this is this is how it is that at the moment i'm feeling a certain emotion interestingly i was talking to james before because those that don't know me and my girlfriend have got a little side business in property and i had to have a difficult conversation with a tenant the other day and i drove over to see him and as i was on my way i was listening to a podcast and the guy was saying that <clears throat> people's coping mechanisms take them away from pain and they use these things to help them deal with discomfort and uncomfortable emotions and actually what they what then happens is there's a whole host of side effects off the back of that, whether that be, you know, if you're using gambling or drugs or alcohol or food, is that is then causing a whole host of issues. And actually leaning into the discomfort is the fastest way to get away from it. And as I'm driving up to this, the house, I'm thinking, well, I'll just go to the shop and I'll get a Diet Coke first because I'm looking to get away from it. I'm looking to delay it. And actually this pain is inevitable. I can either deal with it at 11.45 or I can deal with it at 11.30. Why would I wait till 11.45? I'm not feeling good about it. I'm not feeling good about having a difficult conversation. So this, if you want to feel better sooner, lean into that discomfort. And you have to just accept that that is how it is, that there will be difficult times in life. And there are multiple tactics that you can use here. But finding a productive way to deal with it, that you know, acceptance, a really good book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. And one of the questions that she often asks is, what is it that I really need? And I think that's such a good question for people to ask themselves when they're looking at high-calorie food. Like, what is it that you need? Because then people will say, well, I just need, you know, I just need my partner to get back with me. Or I just need to speak to my dad one more time. Okay. You can't control those things. So you need to then accept this is what's going on. You need to not fight it. And that's where the problems lie is people will fight and fight and fight and grit their teeth and want things to be different and imagine a different past or a different future. And actually, if you just learn to then calm yourself down and having stuff like 
deep breathing or grounding or, you know, exercise, anything that works for you. Find the things that are easily accessible. So probably exercise is not particularly accessible and why I quite like the deep breathing stuff because you can get, you can access it at any moment. You can calm your body down by just focusing on your breath. And I think the better people get at these skills, the sooner you access them, the sooner you feel better. Because normally what people do is they go, well, I'm just not going to think about it. So I'm going to just eat loads and eventually it'll pass. But then five days later when it does pass, uh, you know, a conservative guess, if you're dealing with grief or, or a breakup, you know, you could be talking months here, months before this naturally passes. You have to proactively work on the ways that are going to make you feel better. Interestingly, talking about some of, some of my issues, I had a bit of a moment where I realised that something I often say to clients is your mind got you into this. It's unlikely your mind is going to get you out of it. And that's why I really like talking or journaling having something as a different way to assess your problems. And I think that as somebody who's gotten better at dealing with their problems in their own mind, I disregarded some of those old tactics recently and have gone back to them today. And it's recognised that you know, having an outside pair of eyes, looking at these things and saying, well, you're not doing that, try it that way. Someone who's got experience dealing with these things. And so, yeah, quite a long answer to your question there, but a lack of acceptance about what's going on would be my summary answer. I think a, a, a massive uh, benefit of talking on journaling is we can convince ourselves that our thoughts make sense. Hopefully this is going to make sense. You know, you can tell yourself this story, blah, 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 you know, and this and that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. But when you verbalize it, when you write it down, you're like, that is absolute nonsense. You know, I think that's really, really one of the, the, the benefits of kind of uh, therapy or counseling is you put that out and you're like, oh, even as I'm saying this, this sounds ridiculous. Like these thoughts that I'm having, these worries, these concerns that I've got. And that's not to say, you know, you touched on grief and stuff like that. Obviously, it's very real. And we've got to accept that there's different levels to this. I was speaking to one of my clients the other day who was really f- frustrated because she'd emotionally hit. But you've got to understand that, like, we'll have people who emotionally eat because they got stuck in traffic. You know, we'll have people who emotionally eat because, you know, something that's in the grand scale of the thing is totally insignificant. Whereas, you know, you've got like the death of, you know, a parent or something like that. Okay. But there's, there's levels to this and we got to accept like be kind to yourself and you know look for different wins but that whole acceptance of you know again I, I'll talk about it a lot uh, usually on calls you know we're really good at moving away from pain and this is you know one of the reasons why when I'm goal setting with people I look at what what's our current situation costing us what's it stopping us from doing you know what what experiences are we not having because of where we're at? Because it's really good to kind of propel people away from where they're at to keep them motivated. I've kind of lost my train of thought, I know. But that's it. Like accepting that it's, it's okay to to be upset. It's okay to, you know, feel down and feel a bit of shit and, and not have to go, right, I need to, I need to change this immediately. You know, people want to this solution where it's like I'm going to snap back into being happy. I'm really upset about this or I'm feeling really, really down. What, what's my go-to? What's my go-to to make me feel good? Again, you know, we're going to go down to, to eating chocolate or drinking booze or, or whatever it is to kind of sedate yourself and just go, right, yes, I'm feeling sad or yes, I'm feeling upset or yes, I'm feeling angry and that's okay. Let me sit with that. I can take that, you know, and just work through it. And like you said, you know, do the breathing exercises, do the journaling, come up with different ways of doing that because we talked a couple of times about it, like the the trigger action reward. 
you'll find people get triggered and then they'll try and ignore through willpower the action, but then there's no reward. There's no way of de-stressing. There's no way of cheering yourself up. You're just going to crack. It's not going to work. So it's coming up with different actions that deliver the same same reward. But also a whole big of that is, is accepting like, yeah, this is a normal emotion to feel. You know, of course I feel upset. I think one of the, the points of contention people have there, because I was just thinking about that, you know, you've got a trigger that's stressful. Your typical action is chocolate. Your reward is you feel good is that journaling is not going to give you the same immediate high that chocolate's going to give you. You're not going to find that anywhere else, you know, outside of class A drugs or, you know, life-altering adrenaline rushes. But journaling will make you feel better. And that's what you're looking for. You know, the benefit of chocolate isn't the flavonoids, you know, isn't getting to spend your money. It is the physical feeling, the physical sensations of feeling better, or even the removal of the negative emotions, maybe. Not even so much the arrival of the positive ones, might be a bit of both. And so journaling or talking or whatever it may be, deep breathing will make you feel physically better. Like it's not going to be the same, but it doesn't need to be. It just needs to be enough to get you through. It just needs to be enough to make you feel a bit better. And again, accepting that, accepting right, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to feel as good as chocolate tastes, but there's no negatives attached to it. This isn't taking anything from me, whereas chocolate might be taking everything from you, you know, like it does for a lot of people that work with us. But even going back to what you said about the positive feedback loop there, about going, you know, asking people, do you regret it? If you go back, would you eat that again? Is we get, oh, this is all going to be geek, isn't it? Positive reinforcement kind of loop is, is similar to the habit loop. It's like you do something, it feels really good, you want to do it again. So when you behave in a different way, and this is something that I'll ask, I'll speak to people if they do this. So say they're normally emotionally and they get into a situation like, you know what I did? I journaled and I did my breathing exercises. They go, right, that's brilliant because you've proven to yourself that you don't have to emotionally. It's not necessarily your go-to. It's not your be-all and end-all. You can behave in a different way. And then today, you've proven that you feel better having done that. So you've got two points there that kind of like positively reinforce that habit loop. So then it makes it more likely to do it. It's just like reps in the gym. The more you do these things, and it's not to say that every time that client is tempted to emotionally, they'll woe. But if we can get that down to seven out of 10 times or eight out of 10 times, then that's a massive improvement. So there's, yeah, there's tons to work on there. You know, emotionally, it is a, a real hot spot of different solutions to different problems and working on different things that are going to be very specific to the client, but recognizing it, trying something different that gives you the same reward are, are going to be the first thing. Just pause and go, right, you know, like you used to pause that question, like, what do I need? What do I need in this situation? Because I guarantee no one's going to be like 200 grams of dairy milk if they're thinking, you know, in the right minds. You know, e- even after the fact, you can not reinforce the positive feedback, but look back and go, those times where you do it. So again, if I said, like, we've got my client down to seven out of 10 times, not emotionally, and you look at those three times, you go like, was it the right decision? No, right. Well, then reinforcing that that wasn't the right decision, that didn't serve me. And that can make me a bit stronger next time. So much of the stuff that we do, or I do with clients, and I'm sure you do as well, is slowing down decision-making. How can we slow this down? I will get clients to say it, I'll suggest to them, I don't always know if they do it or not. If you're going to make a choice, verbalize it, because going back to that, hearing it out loud, I'm about to eat this giant pack of uh, 
chilly sensations all to myself because I'm feeling a bit shit. Say again? It's in front of me. Yeah. And, and then you just go, oh, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense. Whereas it's very easy to justify these things in our mind. So sometimes verbalizing, again, can make you slow down the decision-making process, make you more mindful of the actions of what you're doing and the possible repercussions. That's just a little freebie that I've thrown in there. Very good of you. Thanks. You're welcome. I think that should do it. Yes, another hour-long belter. (laughs) Just delivering. Just value, Joe. Just value, value, value. Right. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hopefully, you took some value from that and you found it useful. Don't forget, you can join our free support community. If you have any questions about the system that we run or any questions in general, fire them across. Me and Joe are always up for talking. We talk to a lot of people every single week. Thanks for listening. Right. I've got to go away. <laughs>